Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. All right, welcome to See You on the Other Side. And today, it's me, Mike, and I'm with Wendy. Hi, everybody. And my sister, Allison Jorlin from Milwaukee Ghosts. Hello, everybody. And today, we have not one, but we've got several excellent guests on the topic of cryptozoology. Today's show will be a real monster mashup. Joining us is Linda Godfrey, who uncovered tales of an upright wolf creature in Elkhorn, Wisconsin in the early 90s called the Bray Road Beast. Since then, she's written many books on cryptozoology and other strange phenomena. Also joining us is J. Nathan Couch. Nate is the author of two books on paranormal topics. His latest is Goatman, Flesh or Folklore. And last but not least is Jay Bachoshan, a Wisconsin researcher who hunts the truth and is arguably one of the hardest working investigators out there in the field of Bigfoot research. He has clocked countless hours searching for the unknown and hunting the truth. How's everybody doing? Great. Awesome. Doing great. Thanks. Fantastic. So let's starting out uh, giving everybody a chance to introduce themselves for a second. Linda, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about your research. Well, it is um, not just about wolf men or werewolves, or as I like to call it, the unknown upright canines. But right from the very beginning, 20-some years ago, people started sending me their reports on Bigfoot, giant birds, um, and goat men, yes, pig men, and all manner of really weird things, not just in Wisconsin, but everywhere. And um, I've been really writing a little bit more about that broad span of unknown creatures that most people don't realize exist. Cool. Uh, Nate, why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about your research? Uh, well, goat man, flesh, or folklore is a little complicated. <laughs> Half of the book is a... Uh, basically research into the uh, origin of the urban legends of Goatman, which all seem to have started simultaneously around the country at a, roughly the same period in time. Uh, and the other half of it is an investigation into uh, known sightings of what might be a cryptozoological creature. Very cool, very cool. And then, Jay, what kind of truth are you be hunting? I am hunting any truth. I'm not a, a ghost hunter, a cryptozoologist, or a ufologist. I'm kind of wrapped into one. I call myself a truthologist uh, because I'm going to seek everything from fringe science to, you know, the UFOs, unknown creatures. Uh, you know, if there's something odd and bizarre, I'm I'm all over it. That's basically what I've been doing. Okay, very cool. Very cool. And uh, just before we start getting into some back and forth and things like that, I think I think our listeners might be interested in hearing about each of uh, one of your favorite stories. So, uh, Linda, let's start with you. What's uh, what's just one of your favorites that off the top of your head? Well, I have to always go to um, you know my most personal experience with Bigfoot, which was. When I saw a 35-foot, 7-8-inch diameter limb being ripped from a living oak tree in two giant snaps right in front of me. I mean, it wasn't like somewhere far away. It was right in front of me where I was witnessing it happen um, within you know, the span of less than a minute. And then watching it drop down to the kettle floor 40 feet below. It was in the kettle moraine. And um, at that point, I knew what it was. I knew the Bigfoot was real. I was scared out of my wits. I ran. <laughs> I will right. admit it. <laughs> I wasn't armed. I didn't have a camera. I was just out for a walk, you know, when that happened. And uh, that kind of really, really changed my um, my view on you can know things intellectually and learn about them and want to know them. And I, it wasn't that I hadn't been out in the field a lot. I had. But just sometimes you need that face-to-face moment to really bring it all home, and, and that's that's really what happened. I also had a really recent contact with an unknown light object with two other researchers, and if you want me to talk about that at some point, I'd be glad to do that too. It was at a sightings location, a Ooh, creature sightings location. Yeah, it was amazing. 
Awesome. Nate, what's what's your favorite paranormal story? Uh, well, my favorite paranormal story actually is uh, – it doesn't involve cryptids so much. I haven't done a ton of uh, research out in the field like Linda as far as looking for physical animals. But uh, once uh, I went to Mammoth Cave Park in Kentucky, the, and uh, I took a cave tour because the cave's supposed to be haunted. Their natives had buried their – you know, they're dead there that had been mummified. And there had been a tuberculosis hospital down there and all of those sorts of things. Uh of course, there's 100 people on the tour, so nothing really happened. Uh, <laughs> at least nothing that you could notice. <laughs> right. 100 people on a tour, 102 probably counting the park rangers. And uh, so after it was over, we decided just to walk along one of the nature trails. And uh, we're walking down, I think it's the Cedar Sink Trail, they call it. Uh, and uh, it's, it's getting near to twilight. The light's getting softer. My wife asked me a question about some sort of uh, plant growing near the trail. Uh, I didn't have an answer for her. She started down the trail, and I'm just kind of relaxing, unfolding my eyes and looking at these plants. And uh, I see very clearly, uh, right in front of my eyes, a, a woman's face materialize. It looked like something out of a sepia tone photograph. She had uh, dark hair uh, in a bun uh, with one curl hanging down on her forehead. She looked very stoic, uh, thin face, angular chin, thin nose. I'll never forget what she looked like. And uh, it happened so quickly, I don't think my brain could process it. I just turned and started walking away from it. And within about two seconds, I'm like, I just saw a woman's face. Probably more than that. Probably in like a second. And I quickly turned back around, and of course, this amazing thing was gone. Oh okay. <laughs> very, very, very cool. Wow. Now, uh, Jay, hit me with your best. Hit you with your best. Which one? <laughs> right. Your, your favorite. Your favorite story. Well, I'll tell you. I'm out in the field quite a bit. At least, uh, you know, at least four times a month. Um, if I'm not at home on the weekends or whatnot, I'm out there. Uh, this would have happened back in uh, February of this year. Would have been my most uh, biggest account of seeing what I believe was a Bigfoot, and. I go out at night. I, I figure, you know, there'd be a good chance to weed out any, um, uh, you know, any other humans being out there causing anything. I know it's an uncontrolled environment with uh, animals, but, you know, we turned our lights off. You could see almost like an animal out there with a snow covered ground mm. in the trees. And we were up in one kettle off the beaten path, just sitting quietly and waiting. And sure enough, here it comes right behind it was about 30 yards away, had to have been close to eight foot and about four foot wide silhouette of something that just kind of rocked back and forth shortly and then moved from one tree to another. The odd thing about it is the way it moved. If, if I didn't know anything about Bigfoot or any research on that, I would swear it would have been a black silhouette of a ghost because it moved like it just glided. Really? Like a shadow person, maybe? Well, yeah, but, but, but the thing is, it wasn't a shadow. You could tell okay. it was solid. It was Opaque. a silhouette. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you, you try to get the depth of that, but wow. that, that this is the, the reason why I'm constantly out in the field. And I mean, just recently of late, um, you know, being a, be, seeing these diffused uh, white lights out there, which is, again, I don't know if that's associated with uh, the Bigfoot. That's why I'm actually doing this, but... I'm also getting red eyes and pure darkness, uh, several of them uh, just popping up. And again, I don't have all the answers. That's that's exactly why I'm out there. So I would say right now that would probably be my best up to date. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'd say all of these, you know, personal experiences that you guys had are are really great. And, and you know, one thing, though, that I was, th I was just thinking about this last weekend, and I, I was thinking about Bigfoot, and I was, um, so we spend a lot of time in northern Wisconsin as a band. Wendy and I do. We go play shows in, like, at snowmobile bars and stuff like that, because <laughs> let's be honest, those guys know how to party, and they like our band, and that means they're right on. <laughs> so um, They need so, entertainment, too. Yeah. Right, so we're up north, we're visiting these places, and they just don't you know, they just don't feel that remote. So if, you know, if there was, if Bigfoot is out there or there are mysteries out there, how would they really escape 
detection. How wouldn't we see these guys when you've got drunken snowmobilers going through these areas all the time? Like, how, how did we miss them? I think that they're there, and in the same way that a mountain lion was able to travel from southern Wisconsin to almost downtown Chicago five years ago without being seen by anyone until it got to such a populated urban area that it had to be shot almost right away because it was an immediate threat to people who were around there. And, I mean, it was a decent-sized mountain lion, too. You know, I think there are... Um, very intelligent creatures, and most people in the field, I think, believe that the uh, upright um, canines and the Bigfoot are a hair more intelligent than bears, wolves, or mountain lions anyway, and they just all have their means of getting around and being undetected. I was talking to a wildlife expert, um, actually the uh, witness that I was talking to this morning, who told me that a cougar or mountain lion can be 15 feet away from you and you won't see it if it doesn't want you That's to see unbelievable. it. Wait, does that, I'm looking out my window right now. Does that mean there could be a mountain lion in my parking lot? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Well, 15. remember, there was one in my backyard this summer. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> there right. you go. Yeah, there's been one in my backyard, you know, and I, we live eight miles north of Elkhorn. So it, um, it stalked my husband at night. And uh, I'm lucky he's, I, I was on the radio with headphones and the microphone. He could have been screaming his head off oh out my there gosh. and, <laughs> you know, being cow. eaten and I Holy wouldn't cow. have known. Yeah, he had to back, he had to back all the way up our backyard to the deck, wow. kicking at it, waving his hands and yelling. To ki- and it was snarling, pacing him. So, um, and he saw it the next day for confirmation. And That's so did real. That's real danger. I mean, yes. that's and very so did, scary. So did two of our neighbors. Well, and these things are around. I mean, I was with Jay and, and uh, another uh, researcher, Sanjay Singal. Um, was it last winter, Jay, that we went back in and we we saw hundreds, literally hundreds of very large multiple. Yeah, that, I, I believe that was in uh, March. I was actually just going through those yeah. those files today. Yes, you're right. Yeah, there were literally hundreds of them. They're very easy to tell. And when we, we still went in and walked, and when we came back, there were fresher ones over the other ones that we had seen. So it was tracking us at the time. Yes. So if these things oh. could get around without... And, and we did not see it or have any idea, you know, just by visualizing it. It was only by the tracks. So if these creatures can do it, I think that um, Sasquatch and the Dogman are probably equally or more careful equally or more capable yeah it's interesting oh no i was i, I was gonna throw in there which, which i do agree with but at the same time you know i'm thinking how ancient is you know is the bigfoot or you know these these type of beings or, or creatures and actually i like to refer to them actually as people more so than uh, a primate or a creature but uh, you know He's the Jane. He, you are the you are the Jane Goodall of Bigfoot. Jay. You know that, that's odd. You say that. That's actually that's like amazing. In time somebody has said that to me in the past <laughs> two months. And the thing is, it's true because you know when I'm when I'm out there now, I'm I'm actually trying to do more of a contact than trying to prove to the world that they exist. Because it doesn't matter if I had the best HD footage or recording. You know, I'd be just deemed as a deemed as a hoaxer or a great CGI or, but I really think... Yeah, nobody would trust necessarily. Well, honestly, that's the point I'm at. I am not out to try to prove it, to get famous, to get rich, uh, just to network with other people that are doing the same thing I'm doing to be able to to show that. And, you know, again, I don't think anybody has... You don't have a dead dead Bigfoot in your (laughs) freezer? Yeah, no, I I don't... That you want to bring around for $2 again? Yeah, no, no Bigfoot in the freezer. I mean, but again, (laughs) getting back to how are they not detected, again, we won't know that yet until uh, we research it and actually find and study and and find more answers. But, you know, if, if they are ancient, let's say they've been around for thousands of years, I think they've gotten pretty good at what they do. And, you know, and as people are moving in around them, creating cities, you know, they're, they're finding their homes. That's what I believe. You know, somebody just showed me um, a picture of a deer right on the, um, the tree line of the, the woods. And you had to really, really look at it. You couldn't even see the deer. And it was, you know, literally 20 yards right in front of you. So, you know, who knows? They're, they're just the master of uh, camouflage. Okay. Now, I, I think everyone listening is probably familiar with Bigfoot. 
you know, we always we kind of we've all seen Harry and the Hendersons and stuff like that. So we <laughs> a great example. No, but you know what I mean? That's I love that kinda, movie. Right, we, we all do. I mean, John Lithgow. Yeah, I love John Lithgow, and it's a it's a lovely movie. Uh, but Nate, now what possessed you to write a book about Jim Brewer? And a ho- Let's go, boy. And how often do you hear that joke? You got to hear that joke all the time. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I'm, I've, I've I've heard it about. Six hundred times. Okay, six hundred <laughs> oh, one today. But I'm not counting. So, <laughs> so um, give us a little bit on Goatman. I I really don't know enough about it, and so I'd love to know more. Like, uh, what's Goatman? Where do you find him? Well, Goatman is really tricky because essentially he's described mostly as resembling a Greek satyr. Uh, which is a nature spirit from Greek mythology. Uh, also resembles a fawn from Roman mythology, which are very similar. So, like, Basically, think about were... Pan or Dionysus, right? Like how we yes. how we picture them, um, or the tr- the traditional way we picture maybe the devil. Yeah, the d- modern depictions of the devil are derived from Pan, and Pan is similar to what we now think of as a satyr. Uh, they were satyrs were originally depicted as um, basically just handsome young men with ears and tails like donkeys, but uh, they eventually became goat-like with Roman influence. But so it usually looks like a half-man, half-goat-like pan. Sometimes it's described as being completely hair suit with the head of a goat. Um, And what really makes it difficult is there's every location where there's a goat-man scene, primarily there is a... uh, some kind of legend that involves stuff that is absolutely impossible to be true. We're talking about mad scientists and satanic worship and uh, all this sort of just B-movie nonsense. And, These are a few of my favorite yeah. things. <laughs> so, so I tried to do with Goatman Flesher folklore. Well, the original inspiration for the book was I talked to somebody who actually saw it because I thought it was all just a collection of strange urban legends. But once I talked to someone here in Washington County that saw it one morning while they were deer hunting, uh, that changed everything for me. And I started finding more and more people who were reporting sightings that sounded like something from cryptozoology. So uh, basically I wanted to figure out the urban legends, find out where they came from, but also try to understand what people were seeing. And my conclusion as to what people are seeing is that this is... I think these things do have to be some type of elemental, like, spirit or nature spirit, some type of supernatural being, maybe some interdimensional type thing that we occasionally get a glimpse of, because they're Mm. always seen in locations that are either in the middle of suburbia or within a mile or two outside of it. And uh, granted, you hear stories about Bigfoot as well, but... Uh, a lot of Goatman sightings incorporate uh, some real high strangeness, as they uh, refer to it in uh, the Fortean circles. You're talking about <sighs> creatures that can disappear, uh, you know, like vanish right before your eyes in a blinding flash, or speak English and actually communicate with you, and just uh, use like you know, hypnosis almost in some some cases so uh, i don't really think that goat man is something that might be a biological creature which is what a lot of people uh side with on the whole bigfoot thing i i want to say something here because i'm just making, making a connection you know the whole idea that you know maybe um the the goat man you know you can communicate with it um that reminds me of you know one of linda's early stories about um the Beast of Bray Road or, or you know, the upright uh, canid that um, someone saw it. I think it was in the 40s, Linda, and um, this mm-hmm. creature came forward and said something to him. Could you oh, recount that? Do you remember that one? Yeah, that's one of the most famous. That's the Gadara story. And it was 1936. Is this ringing the right bell to you? And it was St. Coletta yeah. Institute, which um, is a... Well, it, it's closed now as that, but for a long time it was a Catholic-owned organization that took care of uh, people d- with developmental disabilities, that kind of thing. And there was a night watchman who was a former boxer and a devout Catholic and a very big guy with a very big um, kind of original 
uh, primitive flashlight type of thing. And he was making his rounds, and there were a number of ancient burial mounds on the, on the grounds of this place. And he came upon one burial mound, and there was this huge creature digging in it with its claws. And he encountered it two nights in a row. And the first night, the creature ran away. And the second night, when he came back, it was there. And this time, it stood up and looked at him and said what he interpreted as sounding like Gadara. And now, you know, I always play devil's advocate with myself. And Gadara, on one hand, is a biblical name for a region in Galilee where um, Jesus was practicing and performing miracles and he actually in this particular instance um, drove the demon that was in a man into a herd of swine which then ran into the sea and that was called Gadara. Now the other interpretation is that you take the uh, consonants G and D and R and you've got the elements of a growl or a prolonged growl and it could, to my mind, have been just kind of an unusual growl sort of thing, too. So, you know, I've never claimed that it's exactly had to be the name of this biblical place. But it is sort of interesting that it being a religious institution and the the uh, guard being devout and that he insisted it sounded like the word Gadara. And um, he described the creature as a demon straight out of hell. He was very afraid of it and never told anyone until... His um, his own son um, was sitting by him on what the man thought was his deathbed time. He did live a few more years, but he confessed this as the one thing he wanted his son to know, and he guided him to draw a photo of it, or excuse me, draw a photo, draw a picture of it. And um, this man was the editor of a paper in uh, Kenosha, and got a hold of me when the first Beast of Bray Road story came out and said, this is what my dad saw, you know. And I've done a lot of research into that. And there were weird things happening out in that area afterward. There were um, spirit possessions and exorcisms and uh, weird things like that that I've gone into in some of my later books. So it was sort of an ongoing thing. But that, yeah, that was... That, that communication was what really startled everybody the most about that story. Yeah, I mean, that that's a, an amazing story that, you know, when I first heard it, I mean, it really made an impression on me. And this whole idea that, you know, maybe these things are elementals or nature spirits or, you know, something different than a biological creature, it, it's just fascinating. And it, it connects with, uh, I was in uh, Oahu this summer, and they have tales there of a spirit ca- called Kalpei, which hmm. sounds exactly like the dogman or, or an upright canid. It, it's described the same way, seen along the road. Um, and, the, you know, people, witnesses think it's a it's a, a dog by the side of the road until it stands up. And yep. I was like... I just, How familiar. <laughs> I know, right? That just shook me to the core when I heard that. So, you know, all the way in Oahu for them to have, you know, such a similar story as we have here in Wisconsin. You know, one of the things that I find interesting, all three creatures we've talked about so far, there's the Native American connection. Of course, some people say that Mm -hmm. Bigfoot is the Native American, you know, Sasquatch uh, creature they believed in. And then uh, Linda's noted several times in a few of her books that uh, a lot of these dog creatures that she uh, researches are seen near uh, sacred Native American ground. Mm -hmm. Then um, Goatman, of course... uh, there's a couple of different tribes. Piscataway out uh, on the East Coast used to have uh, a, a deity that they would wear horns to worship that Europeans described as looking like a devil. Whether or not that many was goat-like, I couldn't tell you. And then the mound builders here in Wisconsin, of course, uh, built man mounds that look a lot like a Greek satyr. They have the horns. Um, they, they, they are lacking in hooves, but they all look very goat-man-like. Um, so... So, some people believe that those mounds are represent red horn, um, Native American, you know, god creature, uh, heroic uh, hero god. I think is what you would how you would say it. But um, no one really knows who the mound builders are. That we assume that um, they're the ancestors of more modern tribes, but we really don't know. There's a there's a new kiosk at Lizard Mound State Park, or County Park here in West Bend. <laughs> where all there's a lot of these mounds and there's a button who are the mound builders and you press it and it's it's like listening to a politician they say a lot but they don't tell you who they are 
So, because I really don't know. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> well, there's a there's a lot of different um, sorts of mounds too. You know, there mm-hmm. are the there are the a, a, the ancient animal effigy mounds are the ones mm-hmm. that I've connected to the spirit things. But there's also um, large round burial mounds in places. Um, there are also the Mississippian mounds, like we have at Aztalan, which are related to those at Cahokia. And these are all from slightly different eras. And mm-hmm. and I think these mounds were being used and built by Native Americans for many thousands of years. Um, that, and they just sort of evolved and changed according to the, the tribe and the terrain. And and each, you know, of the American nations probably had their own um, symbology for the mound. So, you know, I think I think the reason it seems so confusing, Nathan, is because there really is a whole wealth of differences between them. And it is, you're right, it's very hard to, to sort them out when you just look at something like that. Well, just when you think about a Western culture and, and you think about uh, the way that we do graveyards, you know, we, everybody, when you go to a graveyard on the East Coast and you see somebody buried in 70, 1782, you're like, holy cow, 1782, I can't believe it. And that's just 233 years, right? Yep. Imagine if you're going back a thousand years. It's going to be completely it's going to be completely different. Like when It's like when you go to Europe and you go to the places at, at the catacombs or um, the places where they have the, the plague dead, and there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people just thrown in and buried, a yep. completely different kind of thing. So for us to... Um, you know, just look at that with the, you know, just saying that, you know, Native Americans were like a monoculture or something. I mean, they're just, it's, it's hundreds of cultures over thousands of years. And um, it just, it, it's like comparing a cemetery in Boston from the 18th century to a, a cemetery in Milwaukee from the 20, 20th. And it's just completely different. Right, right. Um, one, one question I wanted to ask everybody, since we were kind of talking about cryptids as elementals or non-physical creatures, you know, we, when we try to use a, a physical way to describe the, the Loch Ness Monster, it's like, well, it's, it's a plesiosaur, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's going to be a dinosaur in the lake. Okay, you know, that, that's one way to think of it. But what about tulpas? Mm. Like, you know, what about the idea that these cryptids are thought forms you know we are seeing something whether it's an elemental or whether it's a spirit or whether it's something non-physical and how we choose to interpret it in our head would be you know you'd see it as bigfoot or you'd see it as the traditional christian form of the devil pan the goat man kind of thing and and i don't know if you guys i've i've had a personal experience with a tulpa oh let's hear it what are you holding on on me, Mike? No, I, I even, remember this. This one. is this is on the Sunspot blog. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm I curious got, now too. I, put I gotta read yeah. your blog to know. <laughs> <laughs> you do, but this is this is years ago. This is when uh, my wife now and and I we visited the Blarney Castle in Ireland, and we went to the castle and did the whole thing and kissed the Blarney Stone, and that was fun and a joke. But it, we're walking, we're walking around the grounds. We're, and it's it's pretty solitary. Like there's there's maybe fifty people at the castle that day. It was rainy and crappy. It's <laughs> this is the, uh, the Ireland during the summer when it's rainy. It's never like super warm. It's never super. Right. But we're walking walking through the grounds and it, it's pretty. We're the only people in this part of the park, and looking just saw like a, a well an, an an animal looking back at us. I saw a dog, my wife saw a cat, and we both saw a different creature we were looking at. And then I, I took a picture of it, and it just looks like a black form of a cat. Hmm. Um, against, I remember you telling me about this. Oh, I, th- I thought I did. It, was, it was really was something, but we both kind of were in the, we were just real open to experiences that day kind of thing. She had a real conflict in her life where she was considering going into veterinary work and stuff like that and considered a job offer she had from a cat clinic kind of thing. Uh, And so she saw a cat and I saw like a big dog wolf looking at us, maybe 200, 300 yards away. And then we're like, do you see that? You're like, yeah, I see that. I'm like, huh, that's weird. And like what? And it kind of moved around a little bit, and then it disappeared. And like it ran off and back and disappeared. But I did capture, and it just looks like an, a, a silhouette of a of a. I thought it was a dog, but I guess the, the picture looks like a cat. 
And us seeing two different kinds of animals um, made me think of a tulpa, a thought form. We saw something. She saw what she wanted to see. I guess I wanted to see a big dog that day. I don't know, but I saw something different. But we were both seeing something different. And how can, can we relate that to some of these cryptids that people might see, whether it's Bigfoot or the Goat Man or something like that? And just wondering what your research has kind of shown on that. Well, with, with Goat Man, oh, I didn't mean to cut anybody off there, but with Please Goat do. Man, it, it works in some loca- locations, like in an area where the kids go and they know, they know this is Goat Man Road. We're going to see a Goat Man here potential if we go. If somebody does see one on Goat Man Road, that could really explain it. But I have noticed <laughs> that some of these sightings predate those legends considerably. Um, yeah, or, or and some of the leg- some of the sightings actually have occurred in areas where I have not been able to locate a tradition of Goatman urban legends. Uh, there was a couple. Oh, I, I really want to say it was in Iowa. We're driving back from a wedding uh, late one night. Both had uh, claimed to be completely alcohol free, and they saw what they described as looking like pan walking around in a field with glowing yellow eyes. And um, this was in 1970s America. Um, I, I suppose one of them could have been really into mythology, but I don't know that. So it, it seems like an unlikely an unlikely thing to see in the middle of an Iowa field. Uh, you think if they were thinking like, oh, this is a creepy place to see a monster, they would have you know, reported a Bigfoot sighting or something if it was a tulpa. Well, I had a similar experience to you um, with the two people looking at the same thing, supposedly, and seeing two different things. And to me, there's a slight differentiation. To me, the tulpa is something that um, adepts or people who are in certain religions train themselves to actually create a thought form and then project it. And Mm -hmm. then there's the other idea where something, like maybe... um, some sort of nature spirit or other entity that we don't understand can use our own human consciousness, kind of come in and then, um, you know, it's acting upon us. Instead of us creating something and acting upon it to go out and do things, something that's already there is interacting with the human consciousness and then it is actually projecting itself or manifesting itself in a way that it couldn't without our attention. And I was looking for um, ghosts in Michigan when I was doing my my book, Weird Michigan, for the um, Barnes & Noble series. And I came into this the little town of Manistee, discovered there was a historian downtown. He pointed me to a lady who had never heard of me. She had no idea that I was coming. I had no idea she was there. So there was no um, possibility for collusion and she was supposed to have a ghost in her basement which was an old tavern called basement billy and he was supposed to have lived there and died in his late teens or early 20s and people would see him not just in the basement of this building but in the parking lot outside and around different places he was quite well known i'd never heard of basement billy but we went down in the basement. He loved alliteration. <laughs> exactly. Like fun. I like his name. Yeah, it's kind of like a beast of Bray Road and base, yeah, Basement Billy. You know, they, that would be a great uh, rock band, I think. Sounds like an old Atari game. would be. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's an old Atari game for sure. But anyway, we went down in the basement. And, I mean, this was the kind of thing where I had to stop wherever I thought there might be a ghost to try and take a picture for the book. And, of course, you never get a picture of anything, right? Oh, you never see anything when you're there. So we go downstairs. We're standing in this big open dirt floor basement with a low ceiling. The only ductwork is wrapped in brown paper. There's nothing reflective. I said, well, let's turn off the light for a minute. So we turn off the light. We're in pitch blackness. And this white basketball-sized um, ball of sort of, it, I say light, but it wasn't giving light, like lighting up the basement. It was sucking light in, sort of, you know, it was... Um, just by itself, appeared about 10 feet away from me, right near the ceiling, hovering. And I had the feeling that it was sentient and that it was curious about me. And I was so shocked. I mean, I'm standing there with a camera in my hands. I did not take a picture because I'm like, this can't be, that can't be. And I looked away and looked back and it was still there. And just as I got my wits about me enough to you know, aim and, and shoot the camera, it slowly faded away right in front of my eyes. And 
I had the most horrible feeling. All I wanted to do was get out of that basement. And I asked the lady to turn the light switch back on, and she saw what she described as Basement Billy, which was the uh, late 1900s, or excuse me, late 1800s um, young man dressed in period costume standing there looking at us. I saw the pure energy form. She saw the expected perception. Wow, wow. that's really cool. <laughs> so oh. it, to me, it was like something was using us, and we saw what was available for them to use within our own consciousness. Wow. And um, how, how would you describe, could you describe the light again, Linda? Like the color and... The one you know, that I saw? Made? Yeah, what you saw. Yeah, it was actually, it was perfectly round. It was about the size of a basketball, except it had it had some kind of triangular projections off to the side that were a little less well delineated than, than the uh, orb of light itself. Um, almost like little wings, but not really. They didn't seem functional. They, were, they weren't quite as clear. But it was just a dull white. Um, it wasn't real bright or anything. It was a dull white, um, no pattern, no color to it whatsoever. And then when it went away, it just kind of faded um, kind of like the Cheshire Cat's grin is how I think of it. And then it was gone and it would not come back. You know, and I was thinking if this was a trick of just my eyes and the blackness, it should have come back when I looked again in a certain same way. And I couldn't get it to come back. And that's when I got really afraid and nervous and um, wanted the lights back on. You know, one of the, you know, just just one quick aside. When you said that you had the camera in your hand and you were too surprised to even take the picture, that, to me, is a great explanation to skeptics as to why aren't there pictures of Bigfoot. Because there was a goat man, what well, might have been a goat man sighting two Septembers ago here in Washington County. This lady was driving home with her daughter late at night. They have to swerve to avoid this thing that dashed out in front of them with backwards bending legs. <laughs> and there, somebody asked me on my blog, why didn't they take a picture? Well... In this instance, you're driving in a car at night. Hopefully, you're not texting or talking on the phone. you got your daughter in the car. You're on a curvy, dangerous road over in your Holy Hill Basilica <laughs> and out in the middle of nowhere in the Kettle Moraine. And then this startling-looking creature dashes out in front of you. Uh, you've got to swerve to avoid hitting it because it might be human because it's on two legs. Right. And then if you got to get in your purse or your pocket, get your phone, get your four-digit lock code on it, find the photo app, point the camera, and thing almost got hit by yep. a car. It's gone. It's not waiting for you to take a picture. Right, and meanwhile, your and heart has basically stopped beating because yeah. you're right. so terrified. And, and, and yeah. your underwear is dirty. Take its picture, you <laughs> so. Yeah, I, you know, and I've got a perfect example of that. Six or seven years ago, there was a mountain goat or, or a um, bighorn sheep, actually, it was, you know, from somewhere out west that was running around Elkhorn. And it just appeared one day in my own neighborhood. And people and somebody, this lady called me up to tell me about it. And I was actually the first person to report it in my little, my blog that I had at, the, at that time called cnbc.com. And, um, and then the stations all picked up from that. And it got known. And they called it Al, that it had a nickname. And it soon started migrating into town. And this was no phantom. This was an actual... Wait, why was the the nickname Al? Um, They just wanted... They nicknamed it Big Al, actually. Well, I know there was... I think the reason was that it was seen on the farm of a man who also was nicknamed Big Al. And so they were... I don't know. There was some inside joke. I was was looking for it. You know, just whatever. Yeah, that was never really clear to me. But the thing was, when I was investigating it for my blog, I called up the local DNR warden um, that the woman had told me she called and was really poo-pooed by it. And I was, by him, I should say, and I was, yeah, you don't want to be poo-pooed by a mountain or a mountain (laughs) sheep. That would be good. But anyway, this guy had made fun of her. And when I called him, he said, you know, I have to eat some crow because I saw it yesterday. I said, you did? Did you get a picture of it? And he said, no, it was impossible. It was galloping toward me from the passenger side. I had my camera lying on the, see, on the passenger side of my car 
ready to go. All I had to do was pick it up. But he said I had to pull over first. By the time I pulled over, picked up the camera and just, you know, tried to shoot out of the window, it had galloped so far away on the other side and across the road, galloped so far away that I couldn't get a photo of it any longer. And this is the DNR warden with the camera in his car ready to go. And that's why you need or why I recommend for people to get pick up a dash cams. I've actually got three dash cams in my car, one facing forward, one's over to my left, one's over to the right. I feel are, bad for the cop that pulls you over. You know, it, 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 it <laughs> yeah. was funny is I was pulled over about a week ago and he did walk over there. He didn't really say anything about it, but uh, honestly, that's what I, that's exactly what I don't want to miss um, when I am driving, especially, you know, up, you know, up north or, or, or anywhere uh, near the kettle. Um, even down here, you just, you never know. So that's probably your best bet. I just say invest in a good dash cam. They're not that expensive and they're good for insurance. You can get them very cheaply now. You can, yeah. Um, And they're good, great quality. Actually, I want one of those glasses with the camera that you just tap, you know. Oh, the Google Glass. The, yeah, the Google. There are other brands now that are cheaper, you know, because cool. then you just turn your head and tap it. And uh, I was looking those up the other That's day. That's a great idea. Now, I, I know we were talking about, you know, anything that could actually be uh, possibly maybe not quite flesh and blood. Maybe it, it is something that we haven't really talked about. It was, uh, you know, possible interdimension. I know this is just all by, uh, you know, theory and speculation, uh, but I did have an encounter uh, just about a month ago. I was uh, out with researcher uh, Mary Marshall of the Paranormal MD, and th- this is the the great part about this is when you now have, that's that's Doctor Mary Marshall. Right? That, that is correct. Sure. Yes, we met her in Chicago. You sure did, and um, yeah, right. And uh, we actually walked into um, a wall of lights. Now. If I could just try to explain it without, uh, you know, being visual here, they were actually like a diffuse pulsating light that started about as low as waist high and as high as about 40 feet. And they ranged from about 10 yards to our right to about 15 yards uh, to our left. And it was just, they were there. It was the most bizarrest thing we've ever seen. And this is just like, well, a great researcher investigator. We both have cameras. We're just sitting there staring at these things like, wait, what are we looking at? And th- this was really bizarre, and it was really kind of cool. Mary actually kept walking up closer to it, and she stuck her hand through. She actually thought she was going to go through a portal and end up in 1950s. Who knows? But, you <laughs> well, know, no, but, but let's set it up. Now, where, where actually what was the fit? Where were you guys? Oh, I mean, these were actually on some trails of, of my research grounds. I, I usually don't give away exactly where I'm researching just for the fact yeah. that, you know, but, 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 but it us, was, give us the area of the state. You don't have to give us like, well, it was in Wisconsin. It was, it okay. Was, so was, you I, could, I could even say the kettle, the kettle's very large. Right. Um, but we do have an area that, uh, I've been researching for, it's about 28 months now. I, I, I just remember the, the year that's how come I can go by the months, but, um, it was at night. It was actually during the, uh, super moon, not the blood moon. I think the blood moon was on, that Sunday, so this would have been, I believe they were saying it was the super moon, and it was really light. Could have had a, you know, it could have been a, a lunar effect, maybe. I, I'm not sure, but it mm. was, you know, we're, we're out there in the dark. There's no lights on. Wow. And um, it was definitely nothing, I would say, that was, um, you know, natural as far as anything I've ever seen. But this is also the area where we've been encountering what looks like red eyes or huge, you know, silhouette shapes that are eight feet tall. Um, And again, I don't have those answers, but that's the reason why I'm out there is to find out why you can find one Bigfoot print, let's say, and then there's no others or several Bigfoot prints and they just seem to disappear. Uh, I do have photographic evidence of 18 different footprints that were about 17 and a half inches length, uh, six inches wide, with close to a six foot stride. And I saw no other disturbance around these as I followed them. And this was nowhere near the coal center where the Bucks play, right? No, no, not at all. Well, exactly. <laughs> okay, just making sure. Well, honestly, and that, that's exactly it. I'm always thinking of something like. 
finding Bigfoot or, or something where they look at one track or two, but they don't either show them, follow them. I, I don't know. I actually followed them and I was documenting as I went along. The 18th print was actually on a, on a dead oak with some snow cover on it. You could see the heel print, but there was nothing after that, not along the huge oak, not, you know, as far as I could see, you know, 10 yards within a clearing, I, I didn't see any other That's prints. <laughs> and so no. I'm thinking, you know, would it, would it uh, climb up a tree? But there was no tree that I saw in this particular clearing mm -hmm. that it could have climbed up. So the thing is, it's either A, it has wings, which is even scarier, or, right. or, or B, where did it just disappear to? You know, this what? is where the, the lights that are really intriguing to me. And, you know, if you, think, if you think about Bigfoot with wings, number one, like picture those <laughs> flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz right. on steroids, and that's what we got now. <laughs> There's so a name run, for that, you know, Batsquatch. Batsquatch. Oh, oh, that's God. right, the Batsquatch. That's out in the northwest, isn't it? Batsquatch, <laughs> yep, there, well, it, there are well, Batsquatches, yep. Now, now Allison, um, I know you had a, a particular question. Now, we're speaking about, like, this is this is maybe where, you know, uh, Jay, like, Bigfoot stepped on that tree, and that was his that was his one footstep into our reality. And, and speaking of reality, um, now, I cut the cord, so I don't have cable anymore, but didn't the History <laughs> Channel have a, have a big thing this week? Oh, yes. On... Big, Bigfoot captured. Oh, oh, my. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we have to get your... You, we have to get your opinions on this uh, this fake documentary. It was a big fake out once again, <laughs> and uh, you know, mix, mixing reality and and uh, a scripted show. Uh, and and we just uh, you know wanted to get your take on it. Why don't we start with Linda? Well, you know, I didn't think there was much reality in that to mix with the <laughs> well, you know with the scripted show. It, it seemed pretty scripted, and I had a bad yeah. feeling when I first saw. The big cage being lowered, you know, with them around it, it was just very much like other unnamed reality shows. Where, <laughs> I know what you're thinking yeah, of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it just reminds me of other ones. But, yeah. you know, it was just a big disappointment because it didn't, um, well, captured any, when you say Bigfoot captured, that implies that somebody had captured a Bigfoot and they, they had it. And, of course, you know that isn't true or no reality show could just keep a lid on that and then spring the greatest monumental discovery in you know world's history all of a sudden is yes we've had this bigfoot captured and put away until our opening night of our show so you knew it wasn't going to be a real captured bigfoot but yeah it just was like too many of the other really scripted things that um didn't did not work for me put it that way yeah um what, what did you think about it um jay Oh, me? I'm yeah, you, you saw it. You saw it, Jay, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And I think I'm the only one that really has gone against the grain with it. Um, I, I believe it's because I did go into it as if I was going to watch um, Willow Creek or um, a movie called Exist. Or I don't want to say Harry and the Hendersons, but you know the type of movies that are yeah. supposed to be kind of um, real. So I knew going into it, and like Linda said, as soon as they dropped in the big cage, at least in the commercials, you're like, come on, really? You know, and especially where they put the bait, I'm thinking where they put the bait, you know, here's, you know, there is a Bigfoot out there. He could easily just stay on the side, put his hand in, take it out. Why would he have to go in the middle? Anyway, um, but, but I, I did, honestly, I went into it with the entertainment value only. The, the acting was subpar, B-rated, scripted. But what I did like was all the other information they would break away to you know with uh, Jeff Meldrum um, you know and creating a 3d skeleton of you know how big a Sasquatch could be um, just with other information that yeah that was cool yeah you know yeah wait Jeff now explain who Jeff Meldrum is for our listeners real quick well I only know him as somebody who's <laughs> who's in the field who um, is actually uh, Linda, I think you would probably actually know. I know him as Dr. Jeff Meldrum, where I followed him on a few shows. But as far as his credibility, he's he's been around a while, hasn't he, Linda? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, written the authoritative books. And um, he has 
been the voice of authority on um, examining the footprint casts and right. explaining right. the, the um, mid-tarsal break and the dermal ridges that help us prove that these are actual footprints of some living creature and not just made with, you know, a rubber um, or wooden outline of a large foot. Science. So, Science, yes. exactly. Yeah, he's a professor of anatomy, isn't he? Is he a professor of anatomy? Yeah, I hate to say exactly exactly what his discipline is for fear I'd get it wrong not looking. But yeah, he's a well-known PhD who um, is, it's kind of a rarity to have someone with such great professional credentials um, truly looking into these things and not afraid of being made fun of because there are so many that are just, scared to death, even if they are interested, to um, come out there and have their own um, really well-considered opinions known, because um, they'll be threatened with their jobs and their livelihood and um, blackballed in various professional circles, and it's uh, really great. I really appreciate having someone like him in the field. And that and that's actually what made, to me... Um, just looking at uh, the Bigfoot captured, having that portion of it uh, being credible. I'm not a PhD in that uh, in that field, and he could probably tell me it was a bone structure from a woolly mammoth to a scotch, Sasquatch, and I'd believe him until I'd actually actually uh, researched that. But I did enjoy that part of the uh, the programming with the other information about sightings and whatnot. So, you know, overall I give it, I don't know, seven out of ten stars. Oh, All right. wow. Yeah. Nate, Nate <laughs> what do you rate it? Does, does it have a good beat? Can you dance to it? Uh, I did not watch it, but uh, <laughs> I have no problem with that form of entertainment if it's properly labeled as pure entertainment. Like if they would, I don't know. I don't know how they presented it because I didn't watch it. But if they would come back from every commercial break with a little disclaimer, this is a work of fiction, then that's fine. But uh, this reminds me of that mermaid thing that happened a couple years ago, where I had exactly. someone up to me at work talking mm-hmm. about how did you hear they've discovered mermaids are real? Yes. I'm like, no. It's, <laughs> and I mean, I've, and it's also like those creepy pastas, those those basically premeditated. Uh, urban legends that people post online, uh, va- these vague short stories, essentially, that they try to pass off as real experiences. I mean, that's where Slenderman got his start. And I've had people come up to me uh, and ask me if I've heard of Slenderman, if I've recorded any sightings. And this was before that unfortunate incident where the here in Waukesha, Wisconsin, where the two... Um, troubled young girls uh, tried to murder their friend as a slender man sacrifice. I mean, th- this stuff can be dangerous to portray it as real if it's not real. Uh, and it can also, it also is a huge disservice to the study of these things, too. Um, but if you're going to present it as fiction, say it's fiction. Blackwood Mountain. You, 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 right. you know, yeah, and here's actually what I say about it. Anything on TV, you, you know, it's for either entertainment, even the news uh, I don't even take as real. That's just me being honest right now because, you know, we're we're so, you know, uh, drawn to uh, the visual and what we see and what's such a big influence on TV that I don't watch the reality paranormal shows at all or the Bigfoot shows. Um, you know, even some you know some other ones that are out there that I could name that I won't <laughs> that I really just don't have any big interest in it but after seeing uh bigfoot captured on there i'm like all right i'm just gonna dvr it you know because chicago bears were on that night but anyway um i, I dvr yeah, i'm so i'm sorry jay uh, you know that's okay how, how are your packers doing um so <laughs> i'll tell you tomorrow i'm gonna be at the game yeah yeah <laughs> when he when he's playing in the drum line at the game no way oh my god first one yep Sorry, that that wow, that's great. great. Total sports ball uh, deviation. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. no. you know what? I'll, I'll, I thought I was safe here. I'll, no, but the, if we lose tomorrow, we can blame it on Wendy. <laughs> no, and I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll end that part of the sports part by saying, you know what? You guys will win the division. You're a good team. You'll probably go to the Super Bowl. I don't anyway, know about that. That's hey, what right. I have to say about <laughs> I thought all you right. just had to incorporate the Bears because they're, you know, it's another creature. Where's we see along yeah. with the topic no, of the conversation? The Bears, the Bears as a wit, as a winning team, is a cryptid. I think oh. the, 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 
The only sighting they had was in 1985, wasn't it? Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. It was a confirmed sighting. You know, you, <laughs> that was a con- – I believe we all saw the confirmed sighting in the it, Super it, Bowl it's shuffle. It's danger. It's not oh. a but we, we should uh, wow. we should finish up with one last question for everybody because I could probably talk with you guys all day because really the uh, the amount of knowledge here about uh, cryptozoology um, is is fantastic. But we should just finish up with a little bit of, of final thoughts of what your favorite cryptid is and why, and uh, mm. maybe we can use as as a starting point for our, our conversation for next time that we have a panel. Let's start with Linda. Well, I guess I have to choose probably the the one that I'm best known for and which, excuse the pun, is sort of the underdog uh, of, uh, of cryptids for a, for a long time. Um, you know, because there was a very long... I, I've been collecting these stories and researching on my own for um, going on 24 years. And for much of that time, you know, Dogman just wasn't getting much respect. And... People were very, um, especially in, in the Bigfoot field, many of them were very reluctant to admit that such a thing could exist. And um, I just kept getting the reports and, and kept documenting them and, and interviewing. And um, I'm still doing that today. But I think I still am really intrigued by it because it so little is really known about it, you know, and it's not like you can, with Bigfoot, there are things you can look for if you're out, you know, you can look for the, the structures that it's supposed to make, and you can look, the the Bigfoot footprints are like no others, where, you know, the, the dogmans are more canine, you have to distinguish them from a coyote or a wolf, that kind of thing, so it's just so much um, more mysterious in my mind than any of the others, even though they're all mysterious, but but this is the most of all. So I guess for that reason, and because, you know, it's just been such a big focus of my research that I'd have to say it's still probably my favorite. But, uh, you know, I like all cryptids. Jay, what's your favorite? Well, I'm going to have to go with Bigfoot here. And the only... Old old reliable. Yeah, old reliable. But the only reason why, and I have to, is... Since a kid, you know, I've heard about Bigfoot. You've seen Harry and the Hendersons. You've, you've heard people going out wood banging and yelling. And, okay, are these people crazy? You know, is it possibly out there? I honestly think if it wasn't for uh, just a great deal of evidence that would support a Bigfoot being out there has got me hooked. I mean, like I said, I'm out there all the time. In fact, Right now, I'm talking to you guys. I'd rather be out there. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. No, but I, I would. I completely agree. Honestly, I've got my car always loaded. I've got my supplies, everything ready to go. And there's always a certain draw that has me come up there. You know, am I the Jenga doll of Bigfoot? I'm not going to say that, but I, I do, when I do research, um, do about the same things each time. So I'm hoping that something will get familiar with me, besides maybe a ranger saying, why are you always here? Um, and how, how, how often do you go out, Jay? Um, if I go out, you know, generally I will, sometimes I'll go out in the afternoon like this and then get home at one or two in the morning. Sometimes I'll leave at, you know, eight or nine and, you know, get back again around three, maybe three thirty, four o'clock. Um, but it's, it's just, it's, it's a passion of mine. And actually people say it's an obsession and it, and it really is. I think it's between the prints, the, uh, the recorded, uh, wood knocks that I've caught, you know, the vocalizations and actually seeing, you know, you know, that silhouette has just got, it's got me hook, line and sinker right now. And right now I'm not even looking to prove it, um, to write about it, to document it. Well, I do document it in photos and whatnot and share it, but I really do. I want to make contact. That's what I want to do. He just wants to high five Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, give, I have give a, the big guy a hug. Right. I have a request. For you, Jay. Yes. Um, we saw earlier that you have a Bigfoot call. Yes. <laughs> Would you be able to, to blow the Bigfoot call whistle? Because... Yes, yes. And, and actually, I know the, the listeners can't um, <laughs> see exactly what I'm holding up, but it's a little plastic Bigfoot head. It almost looks, looks like a kazoo. <laughs> and it actually was a dollar. And it tells you that if you blow it lightly, it's a low growl. And Ooh. if you blow it a little harder, you're going to get a high shriek. 
All right, ready? Okay, this let's is see. Right. Gonna be the, Give her a blow. All okay. right, here's the low growl. <laughs> see, pretty scary, huh? You guys Sounds just have your head- just like Bigfoot. <laughs> you guys just have your headphones on, not the speakers, right? You don't want Bigfoot showing up. Okay. No. All right, now, 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 here's the shriek. You ready? <laughs> That's about all I can get out of it. But, wow! It, is, is that big for? Did you have too you. much broccoli? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it was. <laughs> thank you for indulging me. I I, I awesome. thought our listeners might enjoy awesome. hearing Jake, the big you're football. Welcome. <laughs> uh, Nate, favorite cryptid? Finish her up. I've always been really attracted to the high strangeness, uh, the, the 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 most bizarre things possible. That's probably one of the reasons why. I Spent two years researching Goatman. Um, I think the strangest of all strange creatures has to be the Mothman out in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I mean, Jonathan Keel's writing is amazing, so it's always Mm -hmm. fun to to read anything he wrote on the subject. And then you have UFO sightings, you have alleged alien contact, you have the whole men in black thing. It's just, there's so many facets to it. It's... You you could spend your you could spend a year reading up on Mothman and still find a new direction to go with it. So I mean, those really strange sightings that defy really all type of you know biological scientific explanation are are the ones that really make you scratch your chin and wonder about reality itself. So you can really really dig into the subject like that. Right on, Allison. Favorite cryptid? Thunderbird. Yay. Thunderbird, and we'll, <laughs> the Thunderbird will get its own uh, episode coming up soon because we have Thunderbird stories to go. Wendy, favorite cryptid? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I I think I probably have to go with Bigfoot. Actually, just kind of going agreeing with Jay with the um, growing up with it. There's <laughs> it's wearing a T-shirt that says Bigfoot doesn't believe in you either. <laughs> Great, <laughs> but uh, growing up there were so many books and fun things, and it was just you know. He's a character. It's and now there's beef jerky. <laughs> right, right. My favorite Made from 100% Sasquatch. <laughs> My favorite cryptid is is the Kraken. Uh, I just love the idea that there's a little. Uh, first of all, the, the romance of just hitting the open sea and something like you know stuff like that, and then uh, the idea of being attacked by a giant squid, which is real. <laughs> Uh, is pretty exciting too. So I always I love the Kraken. I saw a giant squid exhibit at the Smithsonian a few years ago, and now, I, I thought now, it was is that, brilliant. Is that Phil McCracken? Yeah, <laughs> Phil, Phil McCracken is the Kraken's brother, um, but we hang out sometimes. So I just want to okay. So you guys check the show notes at othersidepodcast.com/slash sixty six, and you're going to find links to Linda Godfrey and her books. Uh, links to WPI, Hunt the Truth, and then uh, J. Nathan Couch's Goatman uh, books and website. You'll see it all there. I want to thank you guys for joining us today. Allison from Milwaukee Ghost, thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having everybody. me. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are absolutely awesome. We're going to have you on again in a couple months, and we can talk every time there's new news. We'd love to have you guys on to talk more about this. And uh, Wendy and I will see you guys uh, next week. This week's song from Sunspot is a little bit about what attracts us to all of this kind of stuff, and that's because we all enjoy the mystery. I met a girl who used to dance with some flowers in her hair, barefoot in the street to a song that seemed We talked all night about wrong and right We talked the Bible and prophecy She said she don't care to what God I swear As long as I don't tell her what to believe She said when we know all there is to know And there ain't nothing left to comprehend When you think Found what you're looking for I believe it's time you think again Don't try so hard to understand The things you don't need your eyes
enjoy the mystery for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. See, pretty scary, huh?